Today's episode is brought to you by Alani Cosmic Stardust. Enter promo code STARDUST below for 15% off your 30Ks. Hey, welcome to episode one of Who's Mind in the Store. My name is Julian, and this has been a long time in the making, probably a little over a decade, trying to record it maybe for the last two years. And hopefully, if you're seeing this, uh, it's been great success. Great success. Yeah, um, I'm 31. I was born in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Argentina has a population of about 41 million people, or roughly the same as the country of Sudan. The Argentines have a saying, Los Argentinos descienden de los barcos, or the Argentines are descended from the boats, meaning that Argentina is almost completely and entirely a country of immigrants. I moved to LA when I was 11, and for the past decade, uh, maybe 11 years, I've been working in the food industry. I started at Yogurland, I was a team member, then got promoted to manager. Uh, I was going to school, uh, transfer, I was going to SMC, Santa Monica Community College. I transferred after like four years. Uh, Great success. And uh, yeah, I, I had to take out a loan to go to school. Uh, I spent all the money that I had saved at Yogurland while at university. What am I, Canadian? At university in grade 10. Hey, hey, hey. Um, and uh, yeah, I didn't finish school. I ran out of money. I had to get a job while at school, uh, and just wasn't enough. I all the teachers that I had were like, yeah, what degree in English? You know, it's not that much. And if you're a professor, you don't really get paid." And hit what we call the max. Ten years in, I was probably at about sixty thousand. Now, twenty-one years in, I'm about ninety thousand. That's considered high in the U.S. For example, in Mississippi, the lowest paying state, a teacher with 20 years of experience makes around $50,000. The average starting salary is just over $40,000. That's not a living wage in many parts of the country. I felt really discouraged. Even though I loved uh, I loved college, I really enjoy having discussions and diff- like finding different points of view and... Uh, yeah, I th- it was really fun. It's just crazy that it's like tens of thousands of dollars a year to do it. Uh, doesn't make any sense. It's crazy talk. You're crazy, Marge. But uh, yeah, I dropped out. Uh, I was 23, so I was back in L.A. Uh, no job. Nobody likes you when you're 23. I was sleeping over at my girlfriend's house. Her parents would be mad, like, you know, Julian can't can't be over here every night. Uh, Then I would go to my house sometimes, and, you know, my stepdad would be like, it's not a hotel, you can't just, like, come and go as you please, and, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm very, I'm a hermit, I'm very introverted. Um, I'm still a piece of garbage. I just, I don't know how to express myself sometimes, because I want to be honest. But uh, I feel like trying to be honest uh, gets me in a lot of trouble. Um, you want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! And, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I became, I don't want to say I became spiritual. Uh, I wasn't raised with any religion. My dad's side of the family is Italian, Catholic. They immigrated to Buenos Aires in the early 1900s. Uh, 
uh, my I think great great grandparents. So they were like eleven or twelve, and their family was like, "There's nothing here. There's war going on. Just get on this boat, go to Buenos Aires." So it's when a lot of immigrants either went to New York or. Buenos Aires. Believe it or not, about half of the Argentinian population is Italian or at least partial Italian in their descent. Floods of people from Italy immigrated in the 19th and 20th centuries to avoid economic turmoil in the mother country and saw Argentina as a way to rebuild their life. Also Russian and Polish, that's my mom's side of the family. Uh, so half Catholic, half Jew could see the nice profile I got and um, yeah they were raised in the 70s when uh, it wasn't religion wasn't really I don't know if it wasn't talked about but in their families it was a lot more of uh, make money you know have fun live with your family it's uh, it's not as uh, you know I never went to church I didn't have a or mitzvah or a communion and then i was insecure and maybe maybe it was part of being jewish not bar mitzvah i don't know maybe if i went to hebrew school i would be protected i'd be i see other guys like oh there's another guy with no lips and uh looks like a hawk <laughs> my people we didn't even talk about death uh i found out about death watching the lion king long live the king My dad took me to see it when it came out in 94, 95. And yeah, I was four and a half, five years old. And I just remember being in the back of my dad's Ford Escort trying to like connect the concept of death. Like, wait, it stops and we go to the clouds? But do we... Like, it just didn't make sense. Like, where do we go when the body dies, right? When When I get... If it happens to me, right? If I'm running around in a stampede and fucking <laughs> crushes me, uh, where do where do I go? Would it like? And every night I would go to sleep, just trying to like, where where do we go? And what what's what's in here, right? That namaste, what's in you is in me, and uh, that's why many decades later, uh, Ram Dass, be here now, Richard Alpert, really resonated with me. I came across his book. Uh, through not having internet for about a month uh it's when i finally had moved out with my girlfriend uh we were living in a studio apartment in glendale with roaches like you would turn on the light and just roaches would scatter everywhere um and uh at some point i remember i did a mud run with some of my friends and <laughs> i clogged the, the shower when I took a shower later at home so we couldn't shower and the landlord was like oh well there's an apartment down the hall you can shower there it's empty right now we're trying to rent it out and we went in there and it was beautiful it wasn't carpeted like we had this disgusting carpet everything was just gross we were right next to a parking lot so people would stand and smoke cigarettes and yell on the phone all day uh and this apartment was in the hall and it like had giant windows the windows faced a church and every hour the bells would ring uh which i ended up using like when i would meditate i would just be like all right i'll just meditate until 10 or 11 and it's just the bells will let me know um and uh 
yeah, went to take a shower there, and my, my she was my wife, yeah, she was my girlfriend. She was like, oh, this is so nice. Could we move in here? And like, can you ask? Blah blah blah. And I asked, and they were like, no, someone's gonna rent it out. And like magic, a day after, they were like, actually, they fell out, and they were they were kind of shady. So if you still want it, you can move in. It's an extra two hundred bucks a month. Uh, and we did. Uh, so we we're moving, and it was really funny because we we're literally just moving down the hall, and uh, there was an old uh, Russian couple that lived right next to us, and they were always there every morning. There was a big uh, black Mercedes van that would come to pick them up and then drop them off. Uh, but it, it made me laugh. The, the woman would always like look at me and be like, "My son, I love you." And you you and the girl, I love you. And the old guy would just sit there and just look around. My my girlfriend was always, like, terrified of them. But to me, it's like, they were like my grandparents. This is all Russian, maybe Armenian uh, couple. Uh, and I gave them a time of day. If you have worked with me, you know that I, I always give people uh, my attention. I know how important attention is. Like, that's all... My wife and my dog won for me. Just like, pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. Please, I want attention. Uh, and that's what we all want, right? Uh, kids usually misbehave because their parents just don't give a shit. They don't pay. The parents, they want to have sex, jerk off, go make money, uh, do whatever bullshit adults like to do. When you grow up, your heart dies. Who cares? I care. And I've said this all the last few years, like, that's the reason the world is the way that it is, because we have our priorities in the wrong order of importance. Uh, something that happened recently, Mark Cuban, uh, the guy that owns the Mavericks, the billionaire, he opened a pharmacy online to sell medicine at a super cheap uh, price. And so many people on Instagram are like, no, but what about the <laughs> the rocket to the moon? We got to go to Mars. And yeah, it's just funny, right? Like, I remember reading that Bill Gates had a like a contract with his wife where he was allowed to see an old girlfriend for one or two weeks every year. Like, he could go to Malibu and spend two weeks with an old girlfriend. That was, like, a contract that he made his wife sign. And to me, that just shows that he's a piece of shit. Yeah, a lot of people can say whatever they want, but... Yeah, I don't know. Power money uh you know what uncle ben said right uh, it comes with great diarrhea remember with great power comes great responsibility <sighs> La long tangent it's been like nine minutes and i don't know what the fuck i've said so far uh so what is this uh i want to do a podcast about the food industry uh what it's been like to be a manager doesn't matter get me the manager right now. I worked at Yogurland, as I mentioned before. I worked at an Argentine restaurant in Pasadena for a few years. Then I worked at Shake Shack. I worked at four or five different Shake Shacks in LA. Then I worked at Blue Bottle Coffee as a cafe leader, just a fancy, sexy term for manager. And recently I was working at a Mexican restaurant in uh, downtown LA in Arts District. Uh, but I quit a few months ago because I was just really unhappy. <laughs> and I wanted to change a lot of things in my life. Um, 
in 2021, this dog died, Lily. She was a golden retriever. She was my in-law's dog. Uh, yeah, I was very sad. She was eight. She just, one day I was at work and my wife calls me and she, I'll never forget it. You know, those things where it's just like, it'll ring in your head. And she's like, oh, Lily died. And I was like, oh. it's harsh. And then two weeks later, uh, my mom sends like a WhatsApp audio message. Uh, my mom, my mom will be the main point, of, the main uh, theme of this podcast for the first few episodes. There's that really funny scene in the movie Her, uh, with Joaquin Phoenix, where they're asking questions like, oh, "How do you feel about your mom?" How would you describe your relationship with your mother? That's fine, I think. Um. Well, actually, I think the thing I always found frustrating about my mom is, you know, if I if I tell her something that's going on in my life, her reaction is usually about her. <laughs> it's not about... Thank you. Please wait as your individualized operating system is initiated. And he was like, well... <laughs> and the machine goes, all right, we got it. Like, all right. Uh, I love my mom. I love my dad. Uh, they're divorced. They got divorced, I think, in 1997. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it was... Uh, a very like it, it marked uh me my brother my sister you know it's uh when your parents get divorced unless your parents are divorced you don't get it uh sorry you can read books about it but unless uh, i've been doing this tony robbins uh breakthrough seminar online it's free today was day two and i'll talk a little bit about it later but he talks about you know your story and what you tell yourself and sometimes the limiting beliefs that we have because of uh, sometimes we just have poor psychology and we don't know what things mean or like how to get over them so we just get in we're in our head he talks about like if you're in your head you're dead and i definitely live most of my life in my head because it was always difficult to just always be divided and have to you know, just go to your mom's house, your dad's house, and who's going to take you, and the fights, and the bullshit. I also, I had two knee surgeries growing up. I was born with a misshapen meniscus, uh, both of my knees, not just one. Uh, so the first one, I think I was six years old. I was jumping on my mom's bed, and just my, and it was this terrible pain, and I couldn't straighten out my knee. Uh, earthquake. Um, and yeah, I had to have a, surgery i couldn't walk for a few months i had to do uh, physical therapy after and like three years later it happened but on my other knee like i was like i can't fucking believe this and it's kind of a theme in my life where it's just life is difficult the road less travel melina i give you that book shout out shout out melina uh life is difficult and you just have to kind of not get over it but learn that there will be moments where it's difficult and moments where it's you know beautiful and sexy and sad and happy and it's all of it wow right yeah. great amazing and i think spirituality awakens that in you that it's just like it can't always be flowery and beautiful and fun it's all of it you gotta, you know, we lost a lot of people recently. Uh, the WhatsApp thing about my mom, that that was a, was a long tangent. But basically, 
two weeks after Lily died, uh, the Uma, she was a black lab uh, that my uh, my family had. She had to be taken to the emergency because she, you know, same, like things, it wasn't as like instant. Lily just like, I think it was a heart attack. Uh, she was not doing well. And uh, yeah, the doctor was like, it's not a lot to do. We got to put her down. And uh, so in like two weeks, it was like two dogs. Uh, it was rough, you know. Because uh, then a lot of people get affected, and you know who doesn't love dogs. If you don't love dogs, you can turn this off. I don't want to talk to you. Uh, a dog-friendly podcast. And um, yeah, so the dogs died, and uh, I had just worked during the pandemic. I was like, let's just stay open. So we, at the job I had, we furloughed everyone, and it was just me and one guy. <laughs> and we it was kind of like stepbrothers what did we just become best friends yep he brought a tv and his playstation and we would like play fifa and kick the ball outside and just wait for people to come in to make orders uh, and we did that for a while uh, then things picked up a little bit we were able to bring a lot of the team back uh, and uh, it was my wife's friend's 30th birthday and she lived in New Mexico she invited us and, you know, it's like, all right, we haven't done anything or gone anywhere in a while. Let's go. And we go to New Mexico. And I was like, I'll relax and you know, try to have fun. We went to a Japanese restaurant on the first night. And it's funny because everyone was Mexican. <laughs> it's like a Japanese restaurant. It's like by, and the chef was, you know, Juan Romero. Uh, and it was fun. We had uh, some drinks. Uh, order uh tomahawk steak and went for a drive like the my wife's friend's husband like rented you know this limousine to drive us around and he in the restaurant and we're going to to look at a view late at night uh <laughs> i just got so sick because i don't really drink so the drinks and the steak and going up in the middle of the darkness with this guy driving like a maniac as soon as we stopped, the whole time I was like, don't throw up here, don't throw up here. We stopped and I was like, I gotta go look at the stars. And I just ran and fucking threw up all the grilled avocado and tomahawk steak. I just, it all went out, out of the, the beautiful New Mexico landscape. I'm not trying to be a bummer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just stuff that's been in my head. So the, you know, the two dogs had died, and we were trying to have fun. But literally after being there for one night, uh, the next day, my wife's cousin texted her, like, oh, is Papa okay? Like, your mom isn't calling me back. And, she, yeah, my wife gets a call from her mom. She goes to our room. Uh, I, I follow her, and I already see her, like, just shaking in tears. Uh, so you know long story short uh, we were there for one night the next day we went back I got a ticket to go back to LA and her grandpa passed away had an accident um, so a lot of my life is kind of this you know I just kind of put my head down and I try to make the best of what's around me uh, treat everyone with respect respect 
I love the Bhagavad Gita. So it's just like every action kind of like do it as if you're doing it for God. So at some point in my life, I try to line up uh, my actions with that, you know, that whoever I come across, uh, yeah, just know they're Buddha, they're enlightened, they're a fellow soul, a human being, they, you know, um, and uh, yeah, this podcast is going to be kind of a lot of, bit of rambling about the last 12 years and experiences I had and books I've read, movies I've watched, uh, people that I've talked to that have kind of shaped me and helped me grow. Uh, I feel like I've been silent for a while just because there's so many changes, uh, especially in comedy. Like I love stand-up comedy and it's been a little wild. Uh, it's just it doesn't feel like we can talk. And then after Trump, it felt even worse, you know? A lot of people saw uh, their families just get into these ridiculous debates because some people just, they have Fox, and that's it, man. That's It's just Fox. Some people just have CNN. That's it. Just They're watching CNN. Uh, and uh, it's a very, you know, narrow view of the world. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Ram Dass that said it. That, you know, we're born in maybe Tony Robbins. And the world is like, it's like an open door. You know, it's just like, you just see it all. But the older you get and the more negative experiences you have, it's like you start closing that door. And it comes up and it's like, oh, I see. And she's like, you're just seeing the world through this, you know, again, narrow. Like, you're missing so much just because you're so afraid of, like, seeing the big picture. Um, and I wanted to start a podcast to kind of dump out all the frustrations I've had, hopefully laugh a little bit. Um, the big dream I have would be to, uh, get other people who had worked in the food industry to be on the podcast, uh, have a, like a network of, uh, quit your restaurant job. My friend James, what's up, James? Uh, he sent me a, a tweet a few weeks after I quit and he was like, okay, maybe you had good sex, but have you ever quit your restaurant job? And it's like, yeah, working in the food industry is tough. I, uh, even if I get bad service, I, I will still tip just because I know the behind the scenes and that's kind of, we'll, we'll go over that too, you know, like what's it like to work at a, you know, small mom pop restaurant versus like Shake Shack or Blue Bottle and, uh, it's a, I don't know, hopefully someone will get <laughs> some enjoyment out of it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I would love to answer questions and have some kind of connection with people, uh, all over the world too. Uh, not just LA, but if you're from Argentina and you live in LA, Nacho, Boludo, uh, maybe this podcast is for you. Uh, Nacho is, a uh, Sky hired. I wasn't gonna hire him because uh, uh, I'm from Argentina, but I feel like people from Argentina have this, uh, you know, that they're painted as uh, arrogant and egotistic, and, you know, sexist, uh, know-it-alls. They think they're the best. So I do my best to not do the opposite, but 
not fit that stereotype, you know, just like whenever I say anything or I'm around people, just like, just chill out. Cause I know that there's a part of me that it's like, all right, start my Ted talk. So the thing about it, and my wife just rolls her eyes like, again, this motherfucker's going to not let anyone talk for 20 minutes. Like we all came to listen to him. Give us his uh, one man show. It is a one man show. I'm a, I'm a one man guy like Lado and Wayne, right? Uh, so, f- podcast, food industry. I'm from Argentina. Uh, I do love uh, spirituality. Someone else that passed away a few years ago, but still lives. Uh, none. I uh, have a lot of his books. I've given away a lot of his book. I know I gave this book away to someone at uh, Blue Bottle. And uh, I think spirituality is useful. Uh, but it can also be a defense to, you know, not deal with reality and pain. Uh, we all have kind of thorns everywhere, no matter who you are. There's stuff that hurts. Uh, we all got our buttons. And sometimes we create a life so nobody can push those buttons. Um, and I don't know if it helps because at the end it's just like, those buttons become more and more sensitive. Uh, And it's like school, right? Uh, Not everyone is good at science or math or English or social studies or PE, but you got to do it. And the older you get, the less that you have to push yourself against things that are hard. And then there's the people that just, just want everything hard. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's my joke. Damn it, Dwight. Um, as a manager, I'm kind of a, a mix between uh, Michael Scott and George Costanza. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a big loser. <laughs> when I moved here, I didn't speak English at all. I had taken, I think, two years of English classes in Argentina in the school that I went to, but I never really cared or paid, paid attention because I was like, I live in Argentina. I'm going to play soccer well, I don't need to know English. Maybe I'll learn Italian when I play in Italy. Uh, and yeah, again, that funny uh, poetic irony of my life. Two years later, I'm dropped in Culver City Middle School. Uh, just thinking, fuck, should have paid a little more attention. Uh, but it taught me to immerse myself, you know, going from a private school that had from kindergarten to 12th grade there was like 130 kids to be in, in middle school at 6th, 7th, 8th grade. And there's like 800 kids, 900 kids. Uh, it was difficult. I, you know, because I'm also very introverted. Uh, I have a really dark sense of humor and I'm very playful and all that stuff. But I, I can't help it. I'm awkward. I'm hopeless and awkward and desperate for love. <laughs> I don't know how to make a good first impression. I have st- always had stupid hair. I always had a Jufro, a red, pink nose. Uh, yeah, I, I don't present well. I have a funny accent. I have a deviated septum, so I kind of have a nasally drone. And that's a big part of what's delayed me from doing this. Like, if I look like Cody Ko, it'd be easy. And I'm just, like, pushing my hair back. And it's sore, better fit right. Stun in my platform shoes. I serenade, you just feel like a flu. I can just make 
I like Cody Ko, right? Um, but I, yeah, it's hard. I record stuff and then I see it and I'm like, fucking Rumpelstinsky. They're like stupid. I who people are just gonna laugh at me. And the worst part is like family members watching it and trying to make sense out of it and then having to answer questions from them. Like that's not what I want out of this. Uh it's just me sharing the last kind of decade of my life. Also other stuff that uh you know kind of put me where I was and then sometimes made me make the wrong decision because of my own beliefs that at some point I changed or maybe I'm still trying to change or uh, I made the right decision because you know I was brought up uh, I don't know a lot of very powerful women you know Argentina is very much a country that's pro-feminism and uh, my mom my aunts my grandmas treated me like a fucking prince so every woman I met especially like when I was a manager, my sister or my mom or like my grandma or my cousin, you know, at Shake Shack, there were a few people that some cashiers would be in their 60s. And I, yeah, I just try to honor people like dudes, my brother, older brother, my cousin. I I try to, like, we're all here together. There's that David uh, Foster Wallace, uh, like, essay, uh, with the fish, you know, like the two young fish and what is water. Like, right, we're all here together. Uh, and I, I don't know, as a manager, I always tried to be the manager that I would like to have. I know that in school, I didn't have that many great teachers. I had a few that made a big impact. But most, like, I remember one time there was a teacher that told me, I don't know how do they do things in your country. But in America, in America, we listen to our teachers. He said this because uh, we had SSR after lunch, silent, sustained reading for 20 minutes. And after it was done, he said, like, put your books under your table. He said something. I, di- I didn't hear him, I guess. And it was also the first year I was in America. So I was still, like, trying to learn. Uh, and, yeah, it was in band class. They were, like, 60 people it was so fucking yeah band class i think was a big mistake uh or not maybe it was good because it uh i don't know created a big shield where it's like all right can't get worse than this shit i I played drums uh so i was in intermediate band class one of my best friends jordan always talks about how before we knew each other the first time he saw me i was coming out of band class and i had like drumsticks and he's like, my first reaction was, that motherfucker doesn't play drums. And yeah, uh, it's been 20 years. He's still like one of my best friends. Uh, but yeah, I, I really wasn't supposed to be there. He was right. Uh, the other guys that were in the drum circle were great ahead of me. And they were like, literally like Beavis and Butthead, kind of punk you know, rip sweaters and the whole shebang. Also, Culver City. So it's funny when, you know, some people like try to be tough, but it's like, dude, you live in a $1.5 million house. Like, I'm coming here from Bell Gardens. Like, I get up at five in the morning. My mom still gets up super late, so we're still late. Uh, 
and yeah you're punk like you walk five minutes to your hat like yeah it's hard uh, i saw one of the guys on linkedin recently and it's funny because as a joke one time he we were like in the drum set room like with the the drums had their own little room so we could practice and one time he was just he i don't know why he just looked at me he's like why don't you just go back to your country they took our jobs and it was kind of like quiet and i have a very uh <laughs> expressive sensitive face like everyone tells me i'm sensitive i know uh you know i i know i'm sensitive sorry forgive me i love you uh but yeah i guess i don't know if uh, my wife told me hey, everyone hate your, your lips fucking quiver and i'm a big baby okay i'm a big baby but he said that and i just kind of froze and then everyone no one said anything and he's like oh, i'm just kidding man i'm just yeah, yeah what did you say i'm kidding i'm kidding i didn't say anything like i think most of my life is you know being bullied or watching other people be bullied or abused and abused uh not know you know like what do you do because at the end of the day the people in power most of the time don't give a shit right it's like what's gonna move the needle for them you're too close man you're too close man it's just hard like what do you do when someone is like costing you you know money stress your own ethics right that's a big thing like i don't enjoy being around people that like i like comedy because you make light of really difficult stuff in life and a lot of people do the opposite they pretend that they care and but in reality when no one's watching when nothing's on the line they're a fucking piece of shit uh and that's why i kind of decided to get out of the food industry it was really rough like even people you know like what happened in the last year or so with you know, mario batelli and all these chefs and managers and higher ups that i remember one chick shack that they sent me to it they didn't tell me the truth but it was because one of the managers had gotten uh, one of the employees pregnant they didn't say that to me they just said oh we you'll be great over here then they sent me to another one where one of the shift leads was accusing one of the managers of being a pedophile. Uh, they didn't tell me that either. They just sent me there. They were like, oh, yeah, this manager, Tom, he's having, you know, he's just kind of bored. He's been at that shack forever. My wife and her friend would make fun of me because whichever shack you worked at, they would call your home shack. But in a year, I, I was like, yeah, and they said, you know, in a few months, I'll have my home shack. And they're like, oh, that's so cute, your home shack. I never had a home shack. I was driving all over fucking L.A. I lived in Glendale. I applied to the one in Glendale. That's what the thing said. And he was just like, oh, well, go to West Hollywood to train. And then, you know, you go to Glendale. And, but then never. Like, I went to five shacks, never Glendale. And I lived five minutes from it. Uh, and that's kind of uh, sometimes what happens in corporate America, right? I wanted to write, write a book or call a podcast a my last name was Budani, and I love Buddhism. So it's like Buddha walks into a corporate America or something and talk about how it just, you know, it's all about numbers. At the end of the day, uh, in companies like Shake Shack and Blue Bottle, it's hundreds of millions of dollars. So their decisions, they're, you know, they're people in a room and they're looking at numbers and they're thinking five, 10 years ahead. 
how do like sometimes i remember it was scary at some point a blue bottle was like we want to have jobs in five years right we're like we're not making money right now and blah 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 and i was like fuck <laughs> why did i come here like in the moment i got hired i remember a trainer was just like yeah we're having this meeting so about you know we got to start making money and blah 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 and immediately it was just so many changes uh you know blue bottle had been bought by nestle so a lot of new people were coming in with ideas of, you know, we got to expand and we got to open all of these new locations. And I remember there's also blue bottles in Japan and people from the Japanese blue bottles would be like, how are they going to, that's crazy. How are they going to open so many? How do you train so many people? And it's the truth. Like, it's like Starbucks. At some point, the quality of the product or the service goes down. Because how many passionate, amazing people are you going to find in LA that, you know, want to be a barista? That aren't working for you know some other you know kind of like low-key coffee shop that will be nice to you and won't like be on your ass about did you log into the did you do the survey did you and then people open their own cafe that's why labor in the last i feel like 10 15 years has been such a big issue in the food industry because so many people can open their own shop with friends and family and Three people can do the work of, I don't want to be mean and say eight, I don't know, Starbucks employees or McDonald's employees, but it's true. At some point, all those jobs, they just make it so you just press a button. You like, it's so like, the lines are very rigid. And if you try to step out of it, you know, it's quick, like disciplinary stuff. Like, you know, yeah, it's just a one, two, three. Um, And... When you're someone that gets paid salary, uh, sometimes like you have to push yourself to deal with. Now, as a manager, you have first your team, right? And that's like your family. Uh, I've recorded maybe this podcast 60 times in the past two years, and I always kind of made a joke about it. Like, you know, as a manager, you're like a single parent of a family, and every week is like an episode of The Fosters, the the show with the the lesbian couple and they have all the adopted kids and it's like every week someone's you know doing drugs and having sex and getting into trouble and lying and you know trying to do what they think is right but they're completely wrong and as a manager you try to you know make people you know get along and do a task and keep the place clean uh look people in the eyes and say hey how's it going uh and that can be a real challenge. I remember how many times it's just like trainers or secret shoppers or you know regional managers, CEOs, directors, they would show up and at some point you always have someone who is fucking sick of it. It's mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. I want you to get up right now. Right? All the people that shoot up uh, um, the post office and go back to their jobs it's because it's a small thing where like you get ignored or you're made promises that are never kept or people take stuff away from you. I remember at one job when they were like, okay, we had this meeting and it was like three hours long. And the whole fucking point of the meeting was to tell employees, you can't get a raise anymore. Every year you had the possibility if you work really hard to get more money, no more. You should just be happy that you're working here. And it's what companies have to do at some point. You have to standardize, you know, your costs so you can continue to expand. Uh, 
and there's nothing wrong with it. Like, I hope, I know I'm probably, it's been like 40 minutes. I know I bitched a lot and said a lot of weird stuff. Um, but I have really appreciated and loved everyone that I worked with. Uh, it's been hundreds of people. I, I really took the time to reflect in the last few months. Uh, it's been like three and a half months to, I don't know, learn from what I've experienced, take a breath, uh, know that my time as, you know, Julius Bundingi on this earth is limited. And uh, I do want to serve people and help. Uh, I know food is always going to be like right here because uh, I love to cook. Part of this channel is going to be, uh, you know, cooking videos uh you know i love making bread and pizza and a bunch of other stuff i'm a big fan of uh a lot of uh youtubers you know claire uh Safitz, joshua benjamin with babish uh sam the cooking guy chef john today we're gonna learn how to make blueberry muffins uh, and uh yeah i love podcasting too I grew up listening to Loveline. Loveline may contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Loveline with Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew. If you grew up in LA, Adam Carolla, Dr. Drew. Basically, I moved here in 2002, and a way to learn English and just not feel lonely was to listen to Loveline. So. At some point, I found the online archive where you could download every episode, uh, and you'll you know learn about sex and you know alcohol and drug abuse, uh, learning about you know Adam Carolla's experience as a carpenter and growing up in the '70s and trying to make a life, after, you know, feeling like a fucking loser and trying to do something with it, and you know, his very it's very inspiring his story of like how he got to do the radio show. Dr. Drew, who's just like, you know, now part of your mom's house network, but you know, always trying to pick up a penny wherever it lands. In uh, <clears throat> yeah, the Adam Cole and Dr. Drew really kept me sane and happy for like a decade. And uh, uh, after I know Adam left in 2005 to replace Howard Stern in the morning show. So I would listen to that. Obviously, a little bit of the magic was lost. Adam would say that you know it's easier to be funny at night than at you know, five in the morning. Uh, yeah, I agree. But uh, yeah, he got canceled. I think in two thousand nine, his show got canceled, and he started podcasting. I remember the first episode because it was also when uh, Bald Brian, he was a sound engineer guy, he got diagnosed with uh, brain cancer. He's still alive. Brian Bishop, what's up, Brian? Uh, he would host a podcast with the Loveline engineer Anderson called Film Vault. I would listen to that too. But uh, yeah, I was always just a big loser. I wanted to write movies and uh, be a stand-up comedian. That's always been my dream. Kind of like Richard over there behind me. Um, so I've been kind of a student of stand-up. You know, reading every book watching stand-up listening to stand-up interviews now every comedian has a podcast so uh i share birthdays with bobby lee bad friends tiger belly september 17th 
uh, yeah, and it's funny. I think we have a lot of similar qualities, you know, undiagnosed ADHD. We're both uh, short kings, slept kings. Nosotros papaya. Um, and uh, yeah, both me and Bob Lee, I think, share the bad trait of uh, not texting people back and having just a hermit philosophy to life and all coming from fear. I know that uh, most of my issues are I'm afraid. I rarely make love. I mostly get laid. Uh, another loud on Wayne Wright quote. And uh, yeah, you know, I sat here for two years, did this over and over again. Uh, first, it was without a, I wasn't making a video of it. It was just me. And I was trying to make it funny. So I was trying to recreate the scene from An Officer and a Gentleman, the movie with Richard Gere and the part where he's like, I got nothing. I got nowhere to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. Oh, and he's like, quit. You're a piece of shit. Oh, just polished up your ass a little bit. You just shined it up. Now tell me what I want to hear. I want your D-O-R. No, sir. I want your D-O-R. I ain't gonna quit. Spell it. D-O-R. I ain't gonna quit. He's like, ah, oh, because I was like, how do, you know, how can I, you know, say, that, yeah, I gotta do this. I have, like, you should watch, you should listen to this. Like, there's so much stuff out there, so much noise, and people doing it better, um, so what can I promise people, right? Why should they listen for however long? Uh, why should they, you know, listen next week? And uh, I don't know. I battle with that for two years. Um, all I can say is that I'm going to be honest and... Uh, I don't know, be as real as possible. Uh, at the end of the day, this is just a, kind of an exercise for me to work on my, you know, my, my voice and my cadence and, you know, jokes, ideas, uh, trying to interact with people, uh, building a little bit of chemistry. And I would really, I, I said it before, I don't know if, I edited it out. Edited it. I would love to have people that uh, I work with in the food industry be a part of the podcast. Like that would like to me. Part of it is just like you know when I write it down and I try to make it's like dream big. I'm like, all right, we're gonna you know, have a studio and it's the keys to the studio. You know, got James and Brandon, Jordan and you know, Pam. I know, like, I would love to just get people the fuck out of the restaurant industry who are really talented and charismatic and could offer a lot all right um if you watch through all of that i want to give you a hug and a big papa kiss and uh, i appreciate you i hope that uh i can see you again next week um uh, if you have any comments or questions, please send them my way. I promise I'll reply. I don't. I haven't mentioned Bob Dylan, and I think it's been about an hour. I love Bob Dylan. You don't have it. 
That is perverse. Don't tell anybody you don't own fucking blonde on blonde. It's gonna be okay. He taught me, uh, Easy taught me, Bobby taught me. Uh, he taught me that uh, he, as a person you can just reinvent yourself out and find like an odyssey you're going home somewhere i'm set i'm set out to find uh this home that, that i'd left a while back and i couldn't remember exactly where it was but i was uh on my way there and uh encountering what i encountered on the on the way was how i envisioned it all i, I didn't really have any ambition at all i was born very far from where i'm supposed to be and so i'm on my way home and uh Tony Robbins is doing a, an online seminar. Uh, it's free. You don't have to pay for it. Today was day two. And, you know, he talks a lot about your beliefs and how your beliefs cr can create or destroy. So if you believe I'm not good enough, you know, I'll never do it. I'm a procrastinator. Your actions are going to, you know, they're going to align with your beliefs because it's like that's who I am, right? If I'm depressed, then I got to act depressed. And, um, yeah, your identity is like the strongest force, um, as of as like your personality. Like, what do you identify as? Like, are you someone that always tells the truth? Are you someone that's a go getter? Or are you someone who's a charmer? And, um, the last thing he said was uh, affirmations without discipline lead to delusion. Uh, so I know I've been sitting here for years writing in dozens of notebooks or on the computer or you know, I have a typewriter and just annoying my neighbors clack, 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 just to write a dick joke. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, this podcast will be kind of discipline where even if it's shitty, I'll try to, you know, get it done and uh, hopefully it will release a little bit of tension and self-doubt and, you know, like nothing else helps. I uh, A lot of times people want to talk to me and hang out and I know that right now that's not the way. Because my whole life has been on other people's terms, you know, like my parents and, you know, we came here, kind of my mom. Then just, you know, you go to school and if you have student debt, like part of you just feels like, you know, it's so imprisoned by all of that. And then you just have to get a job. And if you want to move out, you know, paying rent in L.A. is a pain in the ass, especially if you don't have roommates. Um uh, yeah, everything is uh, can be a prison, can be something that holds you. Uh, and part of the podcast is to really talk about it, to prove it to myself first, and then you can believe it too if you want to, that, uh, yeah, nothing can hold you prisoner. Like, we're all, you know, we're free, we're born free we're gonna die free that's why i love uh stoic philosophy right now the camera is on lives of the stoics a book by ryan holiday i have a few of his books uh and 
Great pain can be sometimes your greatest teacher, your greatest gift. They say, I think Tony Robbins said it in the seminar, that uh, good times create weak people and hard times create great people. Um, and yeah, we've been going through a really hard time. Like during the pandemic, everyone being stuck at home. For me, it was the opposite. Like as a manager, I was always working weekends and holidays and, you know, Christmas and every, every fucking day. The Rose Parade <laughs> were open. Uh, so I was just, I was always either late. I was that Kanye West song, the 50 minutes to get picture. See you later. Like, I can't, you know, real friends. How many of us? Sometimes it's hard to be a real friend when you're driving all over LA and your phone is constantly ringing and there's always problems. And then you also have your, you know, your family and your partner and your dog. And what about your health? And, you know, your passions, your projects. You, it, there's so many things like constantly bombarding us that the easiest thing is, yeah, you know, just get on your PlayStation, you know, play Call of Duty or FIFA for eight hours, you know, watch some porn, order DoorDash, uh, do your job, repeat. Sometimes, you know, try to get little shots of uh, dopamine. Uh, you know, I know people, as a manager, I dealt with. A lot of people go into raves and festivals and seeing how they come back. Uh, I've never been to a rave or a festival, but it's really funny to me. It's just like people, it's like <laughs> insects going to the light and then just like burning out. I remember this one guy, a blue bottle that everyone thought he was a like a sh- killer. Like they would be like, he looks like a school shooter. And I was like, don't say that. <laughs> Part of me was like, oh, fuck, what if he is? But in my opinion he he loved raves and he loved that making that music but the whole time he, he would just like stand there and like not say anything just completely tuned out he would be like right, i'm going to 10 and he'd be gone for like 20 30 minutes and be like dude where were you i don't know then yeah i feel like we live in a time where it's so easy and cheap to burn your light bulb you know because you're just trying to just turn it up to feel something. At the end of the day, we're all just trying to feel. That's why, right? That's why people drink energy drinks or smoke cigarettes or alcohol or drugs or sex or some people they fast or they do exercise and they take it to such an extreme that it doesn't feel or look healthy, right? We all know those people that are just like, just fucking come down, right? Like balance is really important uh obviously there's moments where you need to push yourself there's moments where you need to do nothing uh i think it's in the power of now by cartole another book that really just made it click uh he talks about it like animals in the forest like when they're hurt they just lie down they don't you know take fucking bullshit and you know, do a cleanse and all. No, they just lie down and the body heals itself. Obviously, cancer and, you know, I had, you know, I had two knee surgeries. I had, if I didn't have those surgeries, you know, I don't know. They probably would have to cut my fucking legs off. But we're all constantly looking for that, like, instant, like, ah, oh, that everlasting orgasm, the everlasting ice cream cone in the sky. That's also in this book. I read this book many times. I bought this book many times. I hadn't given it away just because I think it's important. 
Example, somebody looks at you seductively, an ice cream cone goes by. Will it ever be the big ice cream cone in the sky? Will it ever be an eternal ice cream cone? Or is it always going to melt? You got to keep eating it, yet it melts and melts. That's its problem. You got to keep eating it because it will melt. And then it's gone. Then you're ready for the next one to get rid of that one. Let's take a walk. And you take a walk. It's cold out. Let's have some hot chocolate. Yeah, let's have some. And on and on and on. It's called life. You see, the opposite of craving is saying, baby, this is the way it is. Yeah, okay, here and now. This is it. I accept the here and now fully as it is. Right at this moment. Just It's funny because it's like, right? It's a dumb picture of a, an ice cream cone in the sky. But... When I read it, it uh, made sense. I, I always, I always have big cravings. Uh, I was an immigrant, and from sixth grade to senior year of high school, like I didn't, I didn't really eat lunch. We would eat lunch later at home, and we were always late. So I would also not eat breakfast usually. Maybe have like a glass of tang, and shop with the orange mustache. Uh, so. I love to eat. Like, you know, if you've been around me, you know that I can fuck up a lot of pastries and, you know, foods that are not good for you. Um, so from sixth grade to 12th grade, I was just always fucking hungry and in this state of alertness and not shame, but just kind of like, I don't belong here. Like, like, what am I doing? I'm comfortable in my body and... uh I think, you know, I kind of carried that as I became a manager and then people were like, you know, looking to me like, oh, what do we do? And now all of a sudden it's like the tables have turned and I never wanted to abuse my power or try to have like people look up to me or, you know, you know flirt with the girls and, you know, talk to pretty girls and give them free wine. Like I never did that because I... One, I, I always loved my girlfriend, who is now my wife. She's my wife. And I never saw the point of it. Uh, one of my favorite writers is Charles Bukowski. Uh, L.A. writer. Professional alcoholic. Recently, I've been reading a, a biography. It's a re-release, a centennial edition. And... Uh, my grandpa introduced me to him. Every weekend, I would go to the San Fernando Valley where my mom's dad and mom lived, my grandparents. Uh, they're both uh, of Jewish descent. They were born in Argentina, but their parents came from Russia and Poland. So they, you know, they're culturally Jewish, uh, not religious. My grandma, a little more, like she wants to get together during... Uh, you know, holy days and make fish and, you know, uh, but I, I love them. They're, they're great. My grandma in Argentina, I love her too. I never met my dad's dad. He died in the seventies when my dad was 14 or 15. He was having a kind of a procedure and one of the tools they were using was dirty or one of the tubes that they had in him was dirty, got infected and literally died. It was supposed to be like a few hours and obviously that really shaped uh, my dad and who he became and kind of his life story 
it also somehow, you know, it's kind of like a weird karma where every boss I've had usually has issues with their dad. Most of the time is that their dad. Like I remember I had one of my bosses on the second day that I was with him. We were in the car and he's like, just kind of you know, talking about life and, you know, yeah, I was being born and our families and blah, blah. And the first thing he said is like, I put my dad underground when I was nine. I was like, did you kill him? It's like, no, he died and, you know, single mom and we were four and blah, blah, blah. And most recently, too, someone offered me a job and they were like, you know, yeah, I grew up and my my real dad got murdered. And then I lost my other dad a few years ago. And I was like, yeah, I remember we worked together <laughs> when he was coming back from his dad's funeral. And uh, I didn't take the job he offered me just because. I just couldn't do the food industry anymore. Uh, we're now we're in. Uh, anyway, uh, I know it's been a little all over the place. I'll try to edit it so it kind of makes sense and it's maybe a little bit of fun. Uh, yeah, I love you. Thank you. Papa kiss. Ciao. Bye.